0: Gracious God, Heavenly Father, as we are about to enter into your word, quiet our minds, quiet our hearts, quiet any restlessness, so that we may soak in your word and be transformed by it. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Growing up, did you ever hear these words? What will your father say? Anybody hear those words? Do those words still strike any fear in your heart, any trembling? You think, oh, what have I done? What am I going to have to do? How am I going to have to make up something? Am I going to be grounded? Am I going to have to pay for all the mistakes I've made? What will your father say? But did you ever expect your father to come up to you and say these words instead? I love you. Most of us don't expect that, do we? Now, admittedly, in our younger years, we need to hear both the discipline and the love. But as we grow up along the way, we start to think, yeah, yeah, I know. Dad loves me, but, uh, you know, I got to got to break out on my own. I'm a little wiser. I'm a little sharper. I want to spread my wings, right? Come on, you've all been teenagers at some point, or you might be a teenager right now. You've got this thing going, Right. No more rules. Look, I want my own dreams to live. I want my own freedom. Forget it. I'm going to be on my own. You know, for many of us, this is kind of the story we have with our parents, and with our father. It's also the story of the prodigal son. It's one of the best known stories in the Bible, isn't it? The prodigal son. And we can all relate to it one way or another because the themes in that are sweeping. They are rebellion, fallenness, repentance, forgiveness, and rejoicing. But ultimately, it is not the story of the prodigal son. It's the story of the father and his love. You see, here's the context the context is that Jesus has been preaching and he's attracted more and more crowds. And one time, all of these tax collectors and sinners were gathered around him because he re- they really wanted to hear this message that Jesus had. And this disgusted the Pharisees and the scribes. They thought, how could any respecting God fearing rabbi be surrounded by all of these sinners? So, Jesus, to counteract, to rebuke the Pharisees, to rebuke the scribes, and to give hope for the tax collectors and sinners, tells three stories of lost and found. One is the lost sheep, the other is the lost coin. And now we come to the parable of the prodigal son. So, it begins with rebellion. Verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he, that is the father, and he divided the property between them. You have to understand, this is a very unusual request for a son to make of the father. Normally, you inherit the property after the father dies. But there was a provision in the Jewish law for the son to request his inheritance before his father's death during his father's lifetime. And while the son didn't have the authority to sell the property, he still could take then a third of that income. So the the young son was asking for a third of the estate. And, you know, one has to wonder what the father said. It's not recorded here, but we knowing how the story ends and knowing the love for the father, you can imagine the father saying, are you sure? Are you sure that's what you want? You have everything here. You have food, you have shelter, you have the clothing. And most of all, you have my love. Why would you ever want to leave that? But the son did, didn't he? So I wonder... My question for you this morning is this, what's your relationship or what relationship do you have with your heavenly father? For each of you right now, today, what's that relationship like? Have some of you kind of said, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I'll go through the motions, but I'm just kind of done. I've done this whole religion thing. I I just want to do it on my own. Or perhaps maybe one of you or some of you or folks that you know might be angry at God. Right? Prayers haven't been answered. Some slight has been taken. And so now there's anger at God. And others are simply just going through rough patches where they think, well, God is so distant. Why should I even try anymore? What's your relationship like? What choice have you made with your Heavenly Father? And so one can only imagine that the Father, in love, let the Son go. Verse 13, not many days later, the younger Son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. So once the floodgates of rebellion had opened, it opened fast and wide. You've heard, take the money and run. This is pretty much what the son did. He took the money and run. Notice it didn't take long. Notice also that he went a long way away, somewhere far away from his father. And the gist of it is, if you read this and understand the history, the gist of what Jesus is saying is that he went to a land outside of Israel, which would have been a land, not under the covenant of God, a land full of sin. So if you were going to go to a land or a city full of sin, where would you go to? Vegas, right? I heard somebody, right? Sin city, isn't it? That's what we equate. They even, you know, talk about it. They're trying to clean up the act, but it's not. And the only thing that really stays in Vegas is what? Your money. That's the only thing that really stays in Vegas. So, the son goes to this land and he squanders his inheritance. He squanders what the father had given him. There was probably gambling. There was probably a lot of drinking and there was probably prostitutes and things like that. Things of that nature. That's that squandered aspect that Jesus is talking about. He squandered all that the father had freely given him. He gave away his precious inheritance for a temporary illusion. Because here's the problem. The problem with sin is that it never truly satisfies. Sin never truly satisfies. Sure, you can get high. You can have that thrill. But each time that high isn't as high. Each time that thrill isn't as thrilling. And it literally becomes this downward spiral and ultimately, sin never satisfied, satisfied, but it does lead to suffering. See, the apple there, the shiny side looks really good, but sin is a rotten apple that tastes awful and leads to hurt, leads to anguish, it leads to fallenness. And that is our next section here, fallenness. Verse 14 through 16, And when he had spent everything a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. With no money, now in economic hard times and a famine in the land, He had to work for whatever job he could find. And in this instance, he, a Jew, worked for a Gentile. This would have been so bad that it would have been considered being working as a slave to someone else. And here's the irony of all of this. The son thought that he was a slave to the father. So he sought out his freedom. But rather than freedom, which he had all along, he became enslaved. And his job was the most degrading job you could have as a Jew working with pigs. You have to understand the importance of this. So when Jesus talks about that, he was working with pigs and that he was in the midst of them. It had a point to that that we miss. You see, to work with pigs, the occupation of a swine herder was so debased that the Jews thought that anybody working with those pigs was cursed. That's how bad it was. And under the Old Testament law, somebody who was working with swine could not be permitted to observe the Sabbath because he was unclean. The son, in essence, by doing that, rejected his faith and had rejected God and his covenant. That's the depth that Jesus is talking about here. He was trapped and he was reaching the lowest point in his life. See, this is what you can also come to. Many of you, at some point in your life, and maybe now, or friends that you know now, are at a point so low and it's so bad that you think you can't get out of it. And all there is is darkness and despair. And on top of that, there's the shame of having fallen too low. And because of that shame, you don't even want to speak out. As the psalmist said, in that hopelessness, he was wasting away. This isn't just physical, but it is the spiritual wasting away. Some of you have, might have been in that situation. Some of you might be in that now. I have no doubt that you know people who are in darkness and despair. But there is hope here. There's hope for even those who seem cursed. Cursed. This hope comes first through repentance. It says this, verse 17 through 19, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against you, against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son Treat me as one of your hired servants. Two key phrases in there. First one is when he came to himself. When he came to himself, he had a moment of clarity, a moment in his suffering and pain. He, and it's at moments like this that bring you to your knees. And it's generally on your knees where you find that clarity. Clarity. And the clarity is this, you realize you haven't simply made a mistake. It isn't that you simply have made an error, but you have sinned against God. And that's what the son realized. He had sinned against God. See, what is repentance? Repentance is when you realize that you have sinned against God. When you get on your knees and you know that, that is when your heart becomes changed. was R.C. Sproul wrote one time, this is when all illusions are shattered, the games are over, the truth is exposed. It's that at that moment in our pain and in our suffering, we can most hearly God say, I love you. Come home. But mostly we have to get to that point and not mostly, we have to get to that point of repentance, not just sorrow, but turning away from that life. Now, in a moment, I'm going to give you a a short clip, a video example of a man who uh, from pride to fall, repentance and then forgiveness. His name is James Kaldemeyer. It's from a site called I Am Second. Today, he serves as a fishing guide on a lake in Texas, does a lot of uh, tournaments, and he's a very affable demeanor. But that hides what happened when he was 21. When he was 21, he was drunk, very drunk, got in a car accident and killed somebody else. And because of that, he lost his job, he lost his wife, He lost his children. Our father has sent his son, Jesus, for those who are in darkness, for those who are in sin, for those who are in despair. On the cross... On the cross and through his death and resurrection, Jesus gives forgiveness of sin to those who repent and put their faith in him. All the sin, all the rebellion, all the darkness, all the despair, all of that is forgiven. See, like the prodigal son, like the prodigal son who cries out to go home, you too, or, and this is the message of hope you give to others they too can be forgiven. They too can be restored. See, there is forgiveness and rejoicing. It says, verse 20, and when he arose and came to his father, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat it and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and he began to celebrate. Look, the father wasn't just forgetful, wasn't, didn't care about the son. I'm sure the father was waiting every day. You know how parents have stayed up late at night, right? Waiting for their child to come home. I'm sure the father was waiting at night during the day, looking, scanning the horizon for that lost son to come home. And when he saw him, he was filled with compassion. You can imagine the emotions of the father being filled with compassion. And not only this, he ran and embraced him. This would have been against the Jewish understanding of what a father and the dignity of the father was to do. The father ran to his son and he did not condemn his son, did he? He didn't say, before you come to me, you got to take a shower before you come into this house because he would have been filthy and dirty. He didn't come. He didn't say to him, look, look. You've got to repay every single cent before you come back into my family. He didn't say that at all. He didn't say you've got to pay for your mistakes. He went and embraced him. You see, you have to understand this. Our father's forgiveness for us is full and complete because of what Jesus has done for us a lot of people don't want to come back to the father because they're ashamed they think they have to work again and again and again and again to be forgiven but the promise of forgiveness through christ is full and complete once for all you see in romans chapter 8 it says this therefore and th- there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus no condemnation Repent faith in Christ. You are forgiven and it is immediate. And because of that, there's rejoicing, isn't there? Look, the father dressed him in new clothes. He gave him a robe, which indicates a high status. And what are we dressed in? We are dressed in the robes of Christ's righteousness. That status we are given. He gives him a ring, which indicates authority. He puts sandals on his feet, which indicates he is no longer a slave, but free in Christ. And the fatted calf was for an honored guest. You see, the son who once was dead has been found and now is alive. That's the forgiveness and rejoicing. See, what does the father say? The father says, for this, my son was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. Now, if you've working with your sermon notes, you notice I've got something a little bit different in here. Try this for this, my son or daughter and put your name in was dead and is alive again. He or she was lost and is found for this. My son, Clayton was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. That's why we sang amazing grace. That is the joy of that song. To be found, to be home. You see, what does your father say? Your father says, I love you, come home. Those are sweet words. I love you, come home. In Christ Jesus, come home. A little later during communion, we are going to sing softly and tenderly. It says, come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, O sinner, come home. And that is the message of hope and love for today. Amen.